got a Bible, open it with me to Galatians chapter 3. <clears throat> Today we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9. Galatians 3, 1 through 9. You remember uh, from the past few weeks that the Galatian church uh, is uh, mostly made of Gentiles, not Jewish people, and a false teaching has crept in. False teaching that says um, they need to obey Jewish customs in order to be saved. And so Paul, we're going to see today, Paul has some strong words. He's got some strong words for this church, and I would say harsh words. Um, but sometimes harsh words are needed. They're actually loving words. And so here we're going to see Paul uh, rebuke this church. Galatians chapter 3 Verses 1 through 9. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Have you begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. This is God's word. Let's pray. God, how quickly are we bewitched? How quickly do we slip into thinking that this is about us? That this is about what we need to do? Lord, I pray now that as we unpack this passage, uh, Lord, you, would you... Clear my mind and clear theirs, Lord. We need your help to understand this and to apply it to our lives. Holy Spirit, I believe that you live in your people, and I know that you are at work, and so I pray that you would work today as we look at this passage. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Many of you are probably familiar with uh, the actor William Shatner, if you're a Star Trek fan. Uh, he played James T. Kirk in the original Star Trek, I don't know, a hundred years ago, whenever that came out. And, uh, no. Thanks for laughing. Um, so, you can imagine the guy who played Star Trek, 
uh, spent a lot of time thinking about being in space. And William Shatner actually got a chance in 2021 to go to space on uh, Jeff Bezos' uh, spaceship. And so he had been, you can imagine, this is a guy who spent a lot of time thinking about this, right? Fantasizing about, if only we were in space, how beautiful would that be? And he's actually the oldest man at 90 years old ever to make it in space, to, to go to space. And so he actually writes about his experience of, of going into space. And this is what he says. He, he's reflecting on his voyage. He says, My trip to space was supposed to be a celebration. Instead, it felt like a funeral. It was among the strongest feelings of grief I have ever encountered. The contrast between the vicious coldness of space and the warm nurturing of the earth below filled me with overwhelming sadness. Everything I had thought was wrong. Everything I had expected to see was wrong. I had a different experience because I discovered that the beauty isn't out there. It's down here with all of us. Leaving that behind made my connection to our tiny planet even more profound. See, Shatner realized he had spent all these years fantasizing about going to space. He thought, I belong. That's where I really belong. But his expectations did not match reality. He never really belonged in the cold darkness of space. He wasn't made to live up there, but down here. <clears throat> and so as we look at our passage today, I want to I ask this question is, do you belong here? Do you belong in the church? Are you, do you belong in God's family? How do you know if you belong in God's family? Do you look at what you do? How can you know? Paul, in, in our passage today, he's, he's continuing to combat a false teaching that says, in order for you to belong in God's family, you need to become like a Jew. And you won't really belong until you do. To say it another way, the, the Judaizers, the false teachers are saying, yes, yes, you know, it's all well and good. Jesus got you started. He got you started. But you need to finish the race on your own strength. And so Paul's combating this false teaching in two main ways, and you'll see that uh, in your, if you've got your bulletin, the outline. First, God belongs in you only because you believe in Christ. And so let's unpack this. You see this in verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> the Galatians started their lives as Christians by faith, but now they're trying to finish by their own works. Look at verse 1. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Paul, he's here he's calling the Galatians, right? He starts with a rebuke. Who has bewitched you? You foolish Galatians. This is serious. This is very serious. He's calling them to think back to when they became Christians. He's saying, remember, 
Uh, the word translated here as publicly portrayed, it, it, I'll just read what it, uh, the definition. It indicates a public announcement in which the validity of a particular fact or condition is proclaimed. It's a public announcement where a fact is publicly proclaimed. It's not that they actually saw Christ crucified. They weren't there. They weren't witnesses to his crucifixion. But he's calling them to think back to the moment when they first heard the gospel preached, when they first saw the gospel preached. He's appealing to the religious experience. Okay, now he's got them thinking back to when they became a Christian. He's going he's gonna to jog their memory with some rhetorical questions. And so you see he launches into four questions. And these are questions they all, they all ought to answer uh, no to. Either, either no or, or it's always by faith. Look at verses 2. Let me ask you only this. I like that. He says only this, and then he goes, you know, he asks a whole string of questions. Um, Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? He's saying, look, did you become a Christian? Did, Did the Spirit come to live amongst you because you were such good people or because you believed? No, it's because you believe. That's the the right answer. Verse 3, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? You started by faith. Are you now trying to earn it? Are you now trying to finish by your own works? Next question. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? He's saying, you know, you were persecuted for your faith because you believed. Was that for nothing? Next question. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? He's saying, did God give you the Spirit and do miracles among you because of your good works? Or because you believed? And again, the answer is, no, it's because you believed. <clears throat> There's this uh, funny scene in the office. Uh, I'm just going to assume all of you have seen the office. Probably half of you have. Um, it's the, the one where they do a race for the cure to um, rabies. And <laughs> it's a great episode. And uh, Pam and Jim are talking, you know, they're bantering, and, and Jim says, uh, so what's your strategy for this race? And Pam says, well, I'm going to start fast, okay? I'm going to run fast in the middle. He's like, okay. And then I'm going to finish fast. Why don't more people do that? <clears throat> Paul is saying, look, you started your Christian race by faith, You need to run by faith in the middle, and you need to finish by faith. And at no point, at no point, should you think that this is based on your own works. Think back to when God saved you, when you became a Christian. Think back to that time, that moment, if you can can, uh, know the moment, maybe you don't, that's okay. Well, let me guess, let me guess, 
how it happened. Um, you were doing everything right. You're doing everything right. You, you prayed five times a day, got down on your knees and prayed. Um, you always went to church and served with a whole heart. Uh, your heart was always in the right place. Your motivations were always perfectly pure. I'm doing this for God's glory, not at all for my own selfish motivations. You, you evangelized everyone you met, and, and you gave all your money away to, to provide for the poor. Uh, and then one day, God finally looked down and he said, Oh, he finally realized, you're good, okay, you're good, you're good, I want you on my team. He finally noticed how good you were, and so he, he looked down from heaven, basically like a, a college football recruiter, and said, all right, let's recruit this guy, he's good, let's recruit this girl, she's, she's good enough to be in my family. No, that is absurd, that is not how any of us came to be in God's family. Just the opposite. You were not obeying God. Either externally with your actions, just outright disobedience, or internally in your heart you had had bad, selfish motivations. We were not walking in obedience, but God opened your eyes to realize how wrong you were. And then you saw, you saw that there was grace offered to you in Christ. You believed in Him. You accepted the forgiveness. And so you turn from whatever direction you were going and you turn towards Him. That's how we came into this family. That's what Paul is saying. Don't you remember how you came into the family? The way you became a Christian is the same way you must live as a Christian. A sinner saved by grace. Uh, one commentator said it this way. <clears throat> they had begun, he's talking about the Galatians, the Galatians had begun, very, uh, had begun well, but now they were turning to the law and expected to be advanced to a higher degrees of perfection by adding the observance of the law to faith in Christ, which could end in nothing but their shame and disappointment. For this instead of being an improvement upon the gospel, was really a perversion of it. And while they sought to be justified in this way, they were so far from being more perfect Christians that they were more in danger of becoming no Christians at all. In your efforts to obey God, Have you turned the law into a means to win his satisfaction? To win his acceptance? To justify yourself? The temptation is strong. We know it. It overtook the Galatian church. And Paul wants to warn us of that today. Uh, There's something I want to draw out here about what Paul is emphasizing, and that has to do with the Holy Spirit. And this is actually what point one is about. In in all of his questions, uh, you'll notice um, he he doesn't just say, uh, you became a Christian. He says, you received the Spirit. He keeps asking them, how did you receive the Spirit? Did you receive the Spirit by works? Did you receive the Spirit having 
uh, having begun by the Spirit, he says. Uh, he keeps repeating this. And, and his point is this, uh, the Holy Spirit is in you, not because of your good works, but because of faith. <clears throat> so if, if you're new to Christianity, this is, this is how this works. Um, when you believe in Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, comes to live in you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Paul is calling them to remember that the Spirit lives in them by faith, not because of their good deeds. I think, why is this so important? Many of us act as if the Holy Spirit comes and goes as we are more or less obedient. You know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't very obedient today, so maybe the, the Spirit kind of moved out. I had a good day today. God was really with me. Another uh, commentator said, we act like the blessing of the Holy Spirit is God's reward for our spiritual achievements. But you see, Paul is saying here, he's saying just the opposite. He's saying, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? He's saying you, you received the Spirit because of what Christ did, not because of what you did. Christian, God has moved into you. You are His home. His holy habitation on the good days and on the bad. Uh, growing up in Charlotte, a lot of, there's a lot of money in Charlotte. There's a lot of big bankers, a lot of big skyscrapers. A lot of people have second homes, third homes, fourth homes. And so, you know, they've got, they've got a home in the mountains, they've got a home at the beach, they've got one in the warm area, they've got one in the cold area, they've got one where they work. Um, and, 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 you know, when, when it's ski season, you go, you stay at your, your house in the mountains, you know, because it's a great time of year. But you get tired of skiing, and you kind of mosey on over. Summer comes, you go to your beach house, and you kind of hang out there, enjoy the warm weather. <clears throat> you get tired of that, and you, you go back to your, your home in Charlotte, and you get back to work. School's starting back up. Is that how God is with us? Oh, you know, Brandon's, Brandon's performing well today. I think I'll go, I'll go spend some time with him. Oh, <clears throat> you know, not, not, Susan woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I'm, I'm checking out today. I don't want anything to do with her. <clears throat> no. Uh, God does not treat you like his second home, his third home, his mountain house, his beach house. You are his home. He paid the entire mortgage. He owns you, not as a vacation home. His primary residence. He spent everything on you. And he's not, he's not just coming for a visit. You're his home. He's going to live in you forever. 
what kind of home are you? Well, the, the curtains may be torn. Uh, the siding might be falling off. Yep. Mm-hmm. You have that old, uh, what is it? Copper, not copper, cast iron pipe, and it's just deteriorating. I mean, the plumbing is, is bad. It's bad. But God knew what he was getting into. He saw the inspection report. He saw it. He saw all the problems that was wrong with the house before he bought you. But when God comes in, he's he's not coming in temporarily. He is coming in permanently. Not because you're such a great house, but because he's such a great God, such a great Savior. When God comes into your heart, he puts up a sign that says, Home, sweet home. Because it's not about us. It's not about how great of a house you are. It's about how great of a Savior Jesus is. And so Paul says, look, there's only one type of Christian, a Spirit-filled Christian. And that's only by faith. It's not by works. And this... Brings us to our second point. It's by faith and not by works that you belong in God's family. You know, if we've gotten this far and you end up, you may find yourself asking the question, okay, well, why, if this is true, why should I obey God? Why should I obey God? Well, that is. That's the right question. You're getting the point. If that's the question you're asking, then you're getting the point. And that's actually exactly what Paul addresses in Romans 6. Um, But that's actually a question for another day. But if you're asking that question, that means you're on the right track. You're understanding what Paul's trying to say. So point two, you belong in God's family. We see this uh, in verses uh, 7... 6 through 9. Now you see, he, he switches gears there in verse 6. He starts talking about Abraham. And he's appealing, remember these are Jewish false teachers, and so he's appealing to the Old Testament and saying, look, this has always been the case. It's always been by faith. You know, the Judaizers, they loved Abraham. But, but they twisted the story. And, and so Paul says, no, look, even Abraham was saved by faith, not his works. And so in verse 6, he says, just as Abraham, and now he's going to quote from uh, Genesis chapter 15, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He was counted as righteous. He was saved before he was circumcised. You know, Paul is going to make this exact same argument in Romans chapter 4. And it's important to understand this, so I'll just read it. If you want to turn there, it's Romans chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. It's basically an expanded version of the argument Paul's making in these three verses. He says this in Romans 4.10, We say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal, as a stamp of the righteousness that he had by faith 
while he was still uncircumcised. He goes on to say the purpose was to make him the father of all the Gentiles and Jews who believed. And then look at verse 7. He says, know then, so now I'm, I'm skipping back from Romans to uh, Galatians 3.7. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. You become a, you become a son of Abraham. You become um, a member of God's church. A son or daughter in his family by faith, not by works. Not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did. <clears throat> then Paul goes on in verse 8 to cite Genesis 11, I mean Genesis 12. He goes even further back in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. God is promising to bless not just the Jews, not just those who obey the law, but all nations to be blessed through Abraham. And and Paul's point is clear. This has always been the plan. This is not new. It has always been God's plan to save people by faith. And so he ends by saying, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So we get, we're returning to that question we asked at the end. Who belongs in God's family? Who belongs in the church? Who are the true sons of Abraham? The Jews, you know, the, the Judaizers are saying, look, it's, it's, it's those who dress a certain way, who follow certain religious customs, um, who eat certain foods. And Paul says, no. It's only those who believe. To say it another way, you cannot obey your way into the family of God. You cannot obey your way into the family of God. There's a temptation for us as Christians uh, that when we come to church or just enter into any Christian community to put on a nice face. Uh, we, we want to act like we have it together, like we're doing better than we really are. Um, and of course, when we do that, we end up feeling like we don't really belong. We don't fit in because we look around, we see everybody else is doing the same thing, and we're, we're overwhelmed with feelings of inag- inadequacy, <clears throat> imposter syndrome, We start to feel like Christian community, like the church, is for folks who have it all together. We feel like we need to get it together before we see other Christians. When we do that, what we're doing is we're really just, what you're doing is you're really just making this all about you. Christian, this is not about you. This is not about you. This is about what Christ has done. You know, if you've, if you've ever been to, maybe you've had this experience before where you go to a party, a kid's birthday party, and you see a kid there, or maybe it's your kid, and they're kind of confused as to why there's no presents for them, why there's not a birthday cake for them. I, I thought birthday parties, you know, 
Mom, where, where's, where's my cake with my name on it? When do I get to open my presents? You know, Johnny's opening his, when are mine? <clears throat> and we, never, we really never grow out of this, do we? This, the gospel is, is not about us. And the Judaizers have made it uh, a way for them to, to say, look at what we've accomplished. Look at what we've done. And Paul says, this was never about you. Let me try to get at this one other way. Um, what did Jesus accomplish on the cross? Did he accomplish something? Or did he just make it possible for us to get saved? Did he, did he simply um, die so that you had a chance to be saved? Or did he die so that you... Uh, did, did he die simply so that you could run the race, if you ran the race well enough, that you could be saved? Did he just start you on the race and then you have to finish it yourself? No. Paul's point here is that Jesus, look, he, he ran, Jesus ran the entire race start to finish with you on his shoulders. He slung you over his shoulders and he ran the whole race. You remember what he said, his last words when he died on the cross in John 15? He said, It is finished. It is finished. I see, I see how hard you guys work, how worn out you get how tired you feel. If, if it is finished, why? If it is finished, why are you working so hard? Why are you laboring, toiling so hard if Jesus ran the race from start to finish for you? Do not try to add to Christ's finished work. That is Paul's plea to us. Do not try to add to his finished work. If you are here today and and you're not a Christian, you haven't put your faith in Christ. Maybe it's because you think, I need to get it together first. But that is not the case. Jesus came to save Sinners. So don't don't wait any longer. Receive the gift of His finished work. Christian, um, one more way to get at this is uh, Heidelberg Catechism question number one. Right, and it it is it is uh, about what Jesus did, not about what you do. Listen, listen to this. What is your only comfort in life and death? I'll say it another way. What ought to be, as a Christian, what ought to be your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, 
He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me. Listen to this. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for Him. This is not about you. This is not about you. This is not about how hard you work. It's not how, about how well you raise your kids. It's not about how much money you make, or how perfectly you keep God's commands, or imperfectly. You belong to Jesus. You belong to the church. The Holy Spirit belongs in you because of what Christ did. I'll read it one more time, and we'll just end with this. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own. Christian, what is your only comfort in life and death? You are not your own. You belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to your faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And He has fully paid, fully paid, fully paid for all your sins with His precious blood. And you can add nothing to it. You can add nothing to it. So now, what do we do? Now we worship Him. That's it. That's what's left to do is to worship God for doing it all. So let's pray and worship Him. Lord, forgive us for trying to add to what You've already accomplished. Lord, Your work was perfect. You said on the cross, You said, it is finished. Lord, would You help us to believe that? Would You help us to act like that's true? To experience the joy and the freedom that comes with embracing the Gospel. Lord, push this deep down into our bones. Get it into our bloodstream. We need this. I need this. Please, Lord. And now as, as we turn to worship You, I pray that we would do it out of joy and not out of duty. Lord, please be with us now. I know that You are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.